Welcome back, everybody, to the Lakers Silver Screen and Roll Podcast. I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regler. All right, Alex, we finally got to see the New York Lakers play some basketball. What's going on, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm excited about uh, the Lakers being back. That was fun. Like, that game definitely was fun. Uh, on my end, I have to record in my car today, like, you know. So yeah, so I'm why don't kinda... you tell us what's going on right now with, with, uh, with your situation? So they're doing, yeah, they're doing some construction near my place, so it's it's really loud. Um, I'm kind of afraid that the the power might go out or a wire might go down or something. So I just thought it'd be safer to get in my car and park outside someone's house. But I'm just on the lookout during this episode that they don't call the cops on me or something. So just for the listeners to know, like recording in your car is so optimal for sound. It sounds like there's no echo in there. It's basically almost soundproof, you know, like, so if you never would have said anything, I guarantee you nobody would have been like, why is this dude recording in his car? I mean, in case you hear sirens, that that's the reason. I'm not just if a cop shows up or something. But uh, yeah, besides that, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. I'm sitting in a in a table and chair like normal. But I did watch some of the not all of it. I'll be honest. I didn't watch the entire Lakers preseason game. I still have a tough time tuning in to watch preseason basketball, like any preseason sport. It's tough for me. Did you watch the entire game, or did you watch just like pieces of it, like myself? Yeah, so I was out that day, but I watched like the first quarter, and then I came home, and thankfully Spectrum showed like a one a.m. replay. So I just watched the replay once I got home. But yeah. I watched enough of it to yeah definitely get an idea and kind of get my fix on the Lakers. It's been a long, long summer. I watched enough of it to realize how much I'm going to love Anthony Davis. Like the <laughs> I, the idea of having Anthony Davis was fantastic. Like the excitement was real. The, the hype is real, but dude, watching Anthony Davis and LeBron, maybe on purpose, just consistently feeding him the ball. How many dunks did Anthony Davis have that game? Like eight? Yeah, he had a ton. And even if LeBron didn't like directly assist on them, like it feels like it felt like every time LeBron missed a shot, Anthony Davis was there to put it back in. So like almost indirectly, LeBron kind of fed him every bucket, like either by a pass or a miss because those two just synced up like from the tip, it, it was it was really impressive to see. It was so incredible to see. Anthony Davis played 18 minutes, scored 22 points, and got 10 rebounds. I will take <laughs> that stat line for a full 40 minutes. That was amazing. So we finally got to see it. And honestly, just I'll just ask you, what, what was your biggest takeaway? I know it's preseason. I know it's game one of preseason. But what was your biggest takeaway from that first game that the Lakers played in against the Warriors on Saturday? I think it was just that. I think it was how quickly LeBron and Anthony Davis like clicked. Like it didn't feel clunky at all. Like it felt that they both looked for each other on offense. Like LeBron obviously like definitely fed him in the post and when he was cutting he found them for a nice little like drop off pass or dribble pass. And then Anthony Davis kind of found LeBron from like the top of the key, kind of found him inside for like a a pass and an easy bucket. So it was cool to see those guys just from day one kinda click right away and a lot of a lot of superstar pairings definitely take time to gel and stuff like that. But these two guys just, I think it it just proves the point that these two guys were kind of made for each other. Like this this union here is just it's flawless. Like I I don't I don't really see an, an area where they're going to overlap too much. Like maybe down the stretch of games, like who gets the ball, like that might be a 
thing they have to talk about. But besides that, like offensively, those two guys just like gelled right away. Yeah, for sure. And I think my biggest takeaway, though, was the fact that Avery Bradley started. And obviously, if you're keeping up with Laker reports and the reporting of what's going on during these practices is that he's been an absolute monster on the defensive end, like based to the point where they just told him stop dribbling around Avery Bradley. Like we can't do a practice because you guys keep losing the ball to Avery Bradley. So him starting was probably the biggest surprise to me. I don't think Kyle Kuzma and Jared Dudley not playing with uh, injuries has anything to do with that. I was really expecting a different person to start. Not sure who, but Avery Bradley didn't look, didn't score, but did play good defense. And that's what everyone's been singing his praises. Avery Bradley's defense is next level this year. That was my biggest takeaway that, is that he started. Yeah, and I think he helped set the tone for the night. Like he would, he picked up Steph Curry full court for a few possessions, and that kind of kind of had a trickle down effect for the rest of the Lakers defense. Who I thought the defense actually looked really great, like as a team that game. I thought they all played really well, and I, it just kind of exemplifies how big they are. Like Dwight McGee and and AD. If you have one of those one of those guys on the floor, like at all times, it's just a ton of length and and really hard to score against. And I thought Bradley was a good like focal point for that. I thought he set the tone and was going to play hard. And even though he didn't score or anything, I thought he was a good, that's a good guy to start a game on for uh, like a star, like a star guard. And the Lakers don't really have a ton of defenders who can, you could put on a guy like Steph and Avery Bradley, I think did like a pretty good job just kind of being like a pest. And I think that's a job. Hopefully he can do all season. So we saw the Lakers play on Saturday. We're supposed to watch the Lakers play against the Nets, but the problem is that they are going to play in China. And as we sit here recording on a Tuesday night, the latest is that the game is technically still on, but that by the time you listen to this on Wednesday, it could already be completely outdated. But I'll just give you a quick rundown of what's going on. The Lakers are supposed to play the Nets in China, but obviously if you've kept up with the NBA, you know that there's a lot of drama going around surrounding Daryl Morey, the Rockets, the NBA, Chinese television stations not airing the games anymore, canceling not airing the games anymore. So that's still happening as of this moment. CCTV said they are not going to broadcast the Lakers-Nets games. Um, And now according to USA Today and the New York Times, uh, there is a growing threat that the NBA will cancel these games in China. The Lakers are scheduled to play the Nets two times coming up uh, here in the preseason. So um, I I don't really know what to say because I know it's going to be dated, I think, by the time it comes out. But I will say that as a fan of the Lakers, as someone that is trying to have this team as healthy as possible the entire time. Someone that, oh, the Lakers are already dealing with injuries with Kuzma, with Dudley, with some other guys. I would have zero problem if the NBA cancels these games in China. I'm not talking about political. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm just talking about strictly to the Lakers. Do we need them? Do we need them to gel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But am I cool with them not flying all the way to China and playing two extra games? 100%. Yeah, and I think you you're right. Like we're making it clear, we're not talking about any political stuff or anything like that. Just strictly on the court in terms of this team and this you know this season. And yeah, I mean, selfishly, of course, we want to watch more basketball. But at the same time, we have to make sure these players stay healthy for the long run. Like we we've seen what happens if a guy like LeBron gets hurt midway during the season, or or even a guy like Kuzma early on getting hurt by you know playing for Team USA. It it affects the team, and I think that. 
uh, you know, taking out all the everything off the court into consideration. Like, yeah, I wouldn't mind them not playing. Like, of course, like two less preseason games, and hopefully that keeps them a little more fresh. And hopefully, I don't know, they can practice together and still get that bonding experience. And it seems like based on that first preseason game, like all the guys seem to really like each other so far. Like that was a good sign. Yeah, and I do think that the Lakers have already left to China. If I'm not, I, I believe. If so. I'm not mistaken, I, think... I believe they tweeted out yesterday that they left to China already. So that yes. travel part is already kind of like we're, we're it's there, right? But the Lakers haven't tweeted um, anything since then, so there isn't any confirmation. Um, so these late, if these games get canceled, they're not going to be played anywhere else because they're already in China. It's not like they're going to fly back and fly all the way to New York because the Barclays Center is available and the Staples Center is not. So let's not. You know, let's just stop there. If if these games do get canceled, they're not going to be played anywhere else. No, yeah, definitely. If if they're not playing there, then yeah, I doubt these games take place anywhere else. And like we said, like it, it hopefully things get cleared up and taking all the political stuff out of it. Like I just hope that the Lakers kind of focus on basketball and just kind of focus on getting ready for the season at this point. So focusing on basketball, by the way, he's Alex Regla at Alex M Regla on Twitter. I'm Alex Padilla, Alex at Alex Padilla 86 on Twitter. If you want to follow us there, uh, Alex writes for silverscreenroll.com, And sometimes he writes for other places like Bleacher Report. And right now you have an article entitled who should be in Los Angeles Lakers version of the death lineup. And uh, first of all, shout out to you writing this article. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into like the details of what you actually wrote about, uh, can you just explain to those people that are listening right now that may not know what you mean by death lineup? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, so that that term was kind of given to the Warriors uh, closing five of Steph, Clay, uh, Iguodala, Draymond, and uh, Durant when when those guys were all together. And that, that death lineup had this crazy net rating where they were just destroying teams in those last five minutes of games. And Steve Kerr would kind of turn to this group to kind of in the playoffs and in close season games and in the finals just to kind of put them over the top. And basically the, the point of the article is about Frank Vogel and him trying to find his own kind of iteration of this for the Lakers. And as we call, kind of saw in the first preseason game, he has a couple different options at different positions where it, it could be a guy like he has three point guards, basically between Rondo Caruso and cook. And he has to choose one of those guys potentially to be in a closing group. And, I think who he chooses there could be really important over another guy. I just think that Vogel has to kind of prove that he could be clutch just like his, his players can and, and put those right lineups on the floor, uh, taking out egos and taking out like like the veterans if he has that potential to do that as a head coach. Because in the finals, like at that point, you have to put the best players on the court regardless of how many years they've played on, in the league or not. And I think that's something... That it's gonna be really important this year because last year they they really struggled in fourth quarters. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. Do you remember? Did, did they actually have like a, a, a quote death lineup last year, or with it, with all the injuries they probably weren't able to establish one, right? I think that that was mainly it. I think that they did have a, a group that I think a lot of people were excited about. It was LeBron and basically all the young guys on the on the court at the same time, and I think they did pretty well with that group. But because of injuries, it never we never really saw a big sample size with it. So that's something he's going to have to try to figure out uh, this season. Like we, we've seen like uh, reports that where it's LeBron at, at the point guard and Anthony Davis at the center. So that's something that I guess they're already trying to work out in practice. And hopefully we see this, see that in the preseason, but basically that's 
that that's kind of like the summary of what the article would be about. All right, so let's actually get into the nitty-gritty of it because obviously in anyone's version of the Lakers' death lineup, it's going to include LeBron James and Anthony Davis, obviously. But let's go through the guys that you think is the best to uh, to fill out the, the, the five to finish a game uh, in the fourth quarter for the Lakers. So first of all, you put Danny Green in. And uh, explain why you chose Danny Green. I think Danny Green uh, is almost, I, I, I think, maybe a lock uh, among the, the other three guys. I think he's the guy that was brought in is that specifically as, because of his shooting, or is it uh, numerous things? I think it's a shooting and his defense. I think he's, and also his floor spacing, not just shooting the ball, but knowing where to be on the floor. Like, he runs to the corners constantly. Like, if you saw that first preseason game, I thought they did a much better job in transition because Danny Green would not kind of run in the middle of the paint when LeBron and AD were running to the paint. He would run to the corner and kind of created that space or that extra pass outlet. And that's something that a veteran like him just knows. Like, it's just part of his DNA where to be on the floor, where a younger guy kind of struggles. Like, last season, we kind of struggled. They kind of struggled with their floor spacing because guys were kind of in the wrong spots or didn't move to a corner when they were supposed to. And I think Danny Green just has that. It's just like bringing him. And I think he just knows where to be on the court. And, he yeah. just, and he's just probably their best shooter. So that and always on your, helps. And on your Twitter, you... You, I believe you tweeted out all the examples of like how open Danny Green was in that first quarter when he played with LeBron and AD. We're probably going to expect to see a lot of open Danny Green this year because of the attention that not only AD and LeBron are going to take, but probably Kyle Kuzma, right? Because he moves so much without the ball. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, yeah, that and basically kind of summed up why I think Kuzma should be in there too, because Kuzma showed last year that he can move without the ball really well. He cuts when he does when LeBron has the ball, he kind of finds these little these little windows and I kind of joke that like he's kind of like Frogger like cutting through traffic. Like he knows where to get to these little spots on the floor. And I think that's really really helpful on a team that has LeBron and Anthony Davis on there. Um do you think I mean who would you would you disagree with any of those players or are those two guys you also had penciled in for this? No, for me too. Like they're 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 like sharpied in for me. They're not penciled in. Like, I think those guys, you know how high I am on on Kyle Kuzma. I think I'm higher on him than most. Um, But you had an interesting stat about Kyle Kuzma, and I think it's been documented before, but you said you wrote that James assisted on 120 Kuzma buckets. That's 33 more than the next closest Laker. Now, this year, I do think that AD will take that, but that shows that LeBron and Kuzma are already comfortable with each other and they obviously work well together. So for me, obviously you spent the money on Danny Green. He's probably the team's best shooter. He's the most veteran. He's one of the most veteran guys out there. He's got championships. Yes, he's in 100%. I expect that uh, 100%. Kyle Kuzma, because of the stats that you showed and because of high on him, I definitely agree with that. I got Kyle Kuzma. So that's four of the five, 100%. Okay. So, and then the last guy I think is probably the one where we definitely could have uh, differing opinions on. And I mean, so far from everyone who's kind of read the article and responded, no one's really uh, come back at me with this, which I'm kind of surprised about. But the guy I put in last was is Alex Caruso. And I kind of listened to the article why I thought Caruso would be a better fit than a guy like Rondo or a guy like Cook, basically because of his defense, his versatility on the offensive end where he can cut also like Kuzma. He can shoot. I mean, hopefully he shoots as well as he did last year. I mean, we saw in preseason in the first game of the preseason, he was able to, to hit at least a uh, three-pointer. So that was encouraging to see. And I thought yeah, he, he said a uh, forty-eight percent from three in his twenty-five of, in his last twenty-five games last season. 
So we could expect that to go down, right? Like, I don't right. think he's going to do that again. But say he drops to, like, 35%, but on a bigger sample size, I think that's huge. And I think defenses will close out on him harder than a guy like Rondo. And I think right away in the first game, we saw Rondo once again kind of kind of glum, glummy up the, the offensive end in the paint and then how, how defenses played him where they left him just completely wide open. And, you know, fortunately, and I think for on, you know, on his behalf, he, he made those shots. So that's definitely a good sign. But I still think you need a guy like Caruso who can do more than just a one-dimensional thing. Like, Cook could just shoot, basically. Rondo can just pass. Where a guy like Caruso can do a little of everything. And I think that's really helpful in a, in a, in a tight situation. Do you think the defense is strong enough with this five to close out a game? I, I have, that's I have my, like that was like my only question when I read the five. I was like, okay, but would they be better served with like a defensive stopper, or am I just undervaluing the other guys' defensive ability? Not Kuzma's, but like Danny Green, LeBron's, and AD. Like, no, would I, Avery I def- Bradley being in there to guard Kawhi Leonard to say would that be more valuable at the end of a game, or do you think that Caruso's, you know, because he is six foot four, he is bigger than most people think, mm-hmm. so. I, that's my only. That was my only question. No, and I think that's a really good point, and that's something I kind of went back and forth with, specifically with Caruso. Would they be better served to have a guy like Avery Bradley or a guy like KCP out there and just kind of play this big switchable lineup with AD at the five? And I think that's something that maybe more likely will happen. Like I, at based on where we are so far, I'm not sure Caruso gets that nod. Like I don't. Like he's gonna have to really, really impress everyone to get the call over Rondo, over Cook, over Bradley in a tight game situation. So I don't, I'm not saying it's likely. It's just kind of who I thought would best serve this team in a tight situation. But you're right. Like they could just go a guy like Bradley, like they did a start. They could roll out the same starting lineup as their closing lineup. Like we don't know. They could go big with the center. So I think there's, there's a lot of different options. And I think that was kind of the point of my article that Vogel has to be able to kind of find the right one. Like, for every situation, he's going to need to, like, hit the right buttons. And I think on a team like this, there's a, t- a ton of different options. He's going to have to find the right ones. Yeah, you say center, but I, I thought about that, too. And I was like, there's no way that they're going to throw out Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee to close out a ball game. Whether that's, and that's because of free throws. I just don't. I just think that lineup's mm-hmm. just too big to close out a game, especially in today's day and age. Like, okay, if you have, if you have Kuzma, Danny Green, LeBron, AD, and Howard, like – Who's guarding Clay Thompson and Steph Curry there? That's just a, a lineup that just yeah. doesn't make sense to me to close out a game. So I agree with your thought process 100% on on the type of player. I I don't see a center closing out a game with the Lakers. I think it has to be very matchup dependent for sure. Like maybe if they play Philadelphia where they have like Horford and Embiid in the front court and Simmons where they're just these monsters. Like there's three just huge guys and I can maybe see that. But yeah, you're right. Like I probably wouldn't want that either. Like I, I feel like that. Yeah. I just up. see, I just see Anthony Davis guarding a lot of big men to finish out games. That's just the like my thought process. I as I really don't see Dwight or Javale closing out games. Yeah, neither do I. Like I, like I said, I think I think it is matchup dependent. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of teams have like these two towering bigs. Like maybe Philadelphia is the only one. I can't maybe like off the top of my head, I can't think of another one right now. But um, they, they definitely stand out. And that's a team, you know. The Lopez's that... in Milwaukee? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. Like uh, Robin Lopez hit a three yesterday, so shout out to him. Uh, 
But yeah, like it, and you never know with Philadelphia, that might be a a finals matchup there. And I did see uh, Ben Simmons made a three pointer in today's preseason game, so watch out NBA. Holy crap! Watch I didn't see that. out Whoa. NBA. If he no, starts so, yeah. making threes, Philadelphia might be good, like really good. I like Philadelphia. Like I, I, I actually think they're gonna be really good. That's what I'm saying. That could be a finals matchup, and I think the Lakers might be one of the only other teams with size in their front court to kind of to counteract that. So we might see crunch time minutes Javel or Dwight. I don't know. I mean, the Lakers. That's one thing they definitely have this year. They have a lot of they have a lot of size, a lot of size. Uh-huh. Although Dwight Howard, my God, he looks like a different player. He looks so thin. <laughs> And that number and his hair, I was like, who is that? Oh, it's Dwight Howard. He looks so different. He he lost a ton of weight. I don't know if it was a ton of weight he lost or he just got, like, super shredded. But, yeah, he I, I didn't really recognize him off the bat. And, and until you see his face, like, he has that notice, that recognizable face and that smile. But besides that, yeah, he looked totally different. Dude, you should do an article uh, about how the <laughs> Lakers are going to smash the alley-oop record this year. I mean, or dunks, like just yeah, dunks. dunks. Like how many dunks did they have in that first? Like how many of those? The first how many quarter. points? Yeah, they had like eight. Like like eight of their first points were dunks. It felt. I felt like. So. I think honestly, dude. Like, I I don't I don't remember seeing a player dunk as much since like Shaq. Like like <laughs> Anthony Davis might score seventy five percent of his shots on dunks. And I don't know. It's an overreaction, but I just, I'm gonna keep my eye on that. How many uh, points are gonna idea. come off dunks? I'm gonna I'm gonna try to like keep track of that this year because I think that's a really good point. Like per game dunks, how many per game dunks do the Lakers have? So if you want to read an article where it gets more in depth about the death lineup, which I agree with uh, Alex Alex's uh, five, although Caruso might get swapped out, I don't think the other four will. Uh, you can catch him at Alex M Regla on Twitter, and uh, you've tweeted it out. You can see it there. Uh, if you want to read it some more. Um, <laughs> The Alex Caruso thing, man, though, like I know we didn't plan on talking about this off air, but the Alex Caruso thing is just so interesting to me. I know we've talked about it. We profiled him this off season when we were doing the profile series, but mm-hmm. I just he's just so interesting to me because he's clearly better than Rondo now. We haven't seen Quinn Cook play yet. He didn't play on Saturday, but we haven't heard much from him at all, really. So I'm just very curious to see how much opportunity Caruso is going to get. He obviously paid. Everyone's going to play minutes in the preseason, but he he played, like you said, he played pretty well. He played 25 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. um, and scored double digits. So he played 20 minutes, scored 10 points. I'm just really curious to see how much Frank Vogel is going to give him a chance. Do, do you have any concerns that Frank Vogel didn't play him with LeBron and Anthony Davis that game? Well, I, I, I've been saying it all offseason. I don't think Caruso is going to get a lot of starter minutes. And what I mean by starter is I don't think he's going to be playing with the starters early on. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, Avery Bradley now. That one surprised me. I, I see that more. I see Rajon Rondo more early on. I think that's just the rotations he's going to go with. Caruso's going to be like, you know, if he gets 15 minutes to start the season, like I, that's that's kind of the range that I'm seeing him. 10 to 15 minutes a game to start the season. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of getting like a little afraid that that even that might be a lot like a lot because that's true. I'm thinking like if if he rolls with this same group with the Bradley Green backcourt and then Rondo getting he got Rondo got about like 19 minutes last game I believe like he got a good amount of run Dude, there. Troy Daniels got 25 minutes. And yeah, Troy, I, I, and he played early. Was that like a Kuzma thing? 
I, I, yeah, I think that was more of the Kuzma Dudley not playing. But, but to his credit, uh, Troy Daniels played really well. Yeah, 6 of 11 with 14 points. Yeah, so I think it just speaks speaks to that point that I know we're all really high on Caruso, and I we definitely want him to play. Like, we want him to play over some of these other guys, but, like, he's really going to have to kind of over-exceed expectations and impress everyone to kind of catapult over these guys on the depth chart because uh, I don't know if Vogel is going to turn to Caruso right away over, like, more veteran and seasoned players, and I think that's something he's going to... If Vogel does that, I think to his credit, he he'll show that he kind of he's puts the team first and not the player first, and I think Caruso might be a good, a little benchmark there for him. I wonder how much, um, because you know Twitter's not real life. There's not that you know. There's a lot of people on Twitter, but not everybody's on. It's not like Facebook. You know, everybody's on Facebook. Everybody has a Facebook, even if you never check it. But I really wonder how much Laker fans out there that are not on Twitter are as high on Caruso as Lakers Twitter is. Because Laker Twitter is in love with Caruso. And actually, NBA Twitter seems to be in love with Caruso. So I'm just curious to see if this is just a, a minority of Laker fans or the majority of Laker fans are buying into the hype. I don't know. It's a good question. Like, even Zach Lowe is writing about Alex Caruso. Like, in the last couple of articles, he's shouted out Alex Caruso, which is kind of, like, crazy to me. Like, from seeing him in Summer League, like, this this guy play against De'Aaron Fox because Lonzo Ball was hurt. And going from that to being... He was on. He had a huge Bleacher Report article about him. The Ringers wrote an article about him. Like Silver Screen Roll constantly writes articles about him. Like he he's like a superstar, like yeah. in, in this city. So it's crazy. You're right. Like I don't know how other people kind of perceive him. And I think more importantly, I don't know how like people within the organization perceive him. Like because yeah. I, I I doubt they they kind of view him the same way we all do. But I I, I think there's real talent there, and I think the skill set. It's just a really important one that the team is going to need from the point guard uh, position. I think he he can offer that. I, there might be a reason why the Lakers re-signed Rondo and went with two younger guys, including Caruso for point guard. Like that's their depth. Maybe the Lakers are high on him. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean they did sign him to a two-year deal, so we'll see what happens there with Alex Caruso. Hopefully, good things because the the, the minutes that he has gotten have been nothing but impressive. So yeah. That's for sure. Um, another thing, and it's not really revisionist anymore. I know we've talked about acquiring Anthony Davis, you know, a lot this offseason. But Dave McMenamin wrote a very long profile. Not, I don't know what it's called, profile or whatever, but a very long piece for ESPN today kind of documenting Anthony Davis's summer. And he, my take, I don't know if you've read this, the whole thing or, or, or whatever, Alex, but my takeaway from that article was like, damn, like the Lakers really owe Rich Paul a huge thank you (laughs) because Rich Paul orchestrated the trade. And honestly, it was the the, the lottery balls helped and the Knicks getting screwed out of Zion helped. A lot of things helped. But Rich Paul slamming the door on the Boston Celtics saying he ain't re-signing with you guys was basically the biggest thing that he could have done for the Lakers to get Anthony Davis. Cause then it really just made, it was either between the Knicks or the Lakers. And that was it. He he definitely took all the Boston's leverage away for sure. And, and any, even Boston did have a better trade package than the Lakers. We can argue that or argue either way, like Boston, even Boston, would it be, you know, that's such a risky move. Like if we're telling you straight out that we're not going to resign there, any trade of guy like Tatum Brown and all those draft picks that they feel like they have, like, 
Rich Paul basically took all that leverage away and said, yeah, don't even bother. And I think, Bo- they, you know what? He kind of helped Boston out. Like, Boston could, like, Boston was like, cool. Like, thanks for letting us know now. We're yeah. not going to throw in those like, assets. What so, if he didn't say that? The Nick, you know, maybe the Celtics do trade a bunch of those guys for Anthony Davis. And then he just resigns, and then he just signs with the Lakers. That would be, like, yeah. the ultimate troll move, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and even uh, David Griffin of this, the, the Pelicans general manager, or was he president of basketball operations? Whatever he is. Uh, he even said the, um, like, Rich Paul orchestrated this to like where we really had no choice. Like it was kind of like, okay, we have to deal Anthony Davis. And when the Knicks didn't get the first pick and the Pelicans got the first pick, even Rich, uh, Anthony Davis and Rich Paul said, okay, it's going to lessen the blow of me leaving now. It's going to make it easier for me to leave. And the Lakers getting the fourth pick, which was, I believe, only a 9% chance then that added some incredible value too because then David Griffin's like, okay, well, what can I get for the fourth pick? Obviously, they turn it around and get a bunch more picks from the Hawks. So now that's kind of what I took from it was like, damn, Rich Paul really, you know, I, I think Rich Paul gets a lot of grief for his reputation because he's just like LeBron's guy and things get given to him. I, I do sense that sometimes. But hey, man, he he got his client what he wanted, New York or LA, right? And it worked. I mean that's an agent's job, right? Like you're, their you job. want to make your clients happy, and it, so far, like, look at a guy like KCP. This guy's getting paid like every year because who his agent is, you know. So uh, I mean, we can you know bash him like all we want. We can criticize him all we want, but at the end of the day, he's doing his job. Like, I, I doubt any of his like clients are upset with him. Like, he's getting these guys paid. He's getting them to the spots and cities they want to be in. Like, isn't that what he's supposed to be doing? Like, exactly. <laughs> And then, honestly, a good agent's job, honestly, like you only know good agents' names. And I know this one got a head start because of who he who he represents. But I mean, in baseball, you got it's it's just the same guys. And Drew Rosenhaus in the NFL, it's just the way it works. If an agent's doing his job really, really well, you probably know his name. Whereas we don't know ninety nine point nine percent of agents' names. Yeah, like we know who Scott Boris is, like That's in baseball. Scott like Boris. We, I drew a Yeah, yeah, like we, we know, like there's a reason we know them. It's because all the big players want to sign with him because they know he can negotiate the best deals for them. And that's the reason why they're in the news. That's the reason they have as much power as they as they do. Like I think McMenamin kind of even like, uh, I don't know if he wrote this in the article, but he told Zach Lowe today on that podcast, like, yeah, he's like a sourced person that he goes to. Like it's someone who gets some of his information from. So like, Rich Paul's like getting the info out to the to the media that he wants to get out. Like he's playing every angle to get his clients for their best interest, and I think that's something that agents are really supposed to do. Like I don't like sure he may bend the rules here and there, but again, like it's it's he's doing his job at the end of the day. I think the other thing that we took away from that article is Anthony Davis really loves movies. He goes to the movie yeah. theater all the time, uh, so you might see Anthony Davis at a local like. It's one of those luxury theaters. I don't it's really know. It's the studio the... movie grills. Like there the... you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. I just watch. I just went to a movie theater like that to watch the Joker, and it was like, yeah, this is the way to do movies. Like it's yeah, it's more expensive, but it's not that much more expensive. So, do you order food when you're there? Are you are you the people who order food, or do you just? Um, I try to order like quiet food. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I'm trying not to get stuff with crunch. I'm not trying to get salad. Sure. I'm not going to sure. order a salad. Anything that requires a fork, I'm not really ordering because, you know, you can drop it. You can make a mess. I don't want to be the guy that's hitting the button for the waiter to come all the time. Like, hey, I dropped my, <laughs> sa- I dropped my salad, dude. Um, 
So I'm more of like a, you know, like a pizza or a chicken sure. wings, Ch- something chicken like that. Chicken wings or chicken tender, something yeah. like that. Something I'm very, safe. I'm super basic though, dude. I, just give me a, give me some popcorn and <laughs> give me some raisinets and, and I'm out of here. I'm good. So yeah, I, I have, I have uh, like dividing opinions on those studio movie girls. Like, I think it depends on what type of movie, movie you go to. Like, if it's like a big action movie, like, I don't think it matters like how much you eat or like how loud you are, but I don't, I'm not going in there to watch like a like a movie with subtitles or something like that. So I went in there and I watched the Joker and okay. it's obviously, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it soon. Probably. So I won't, I'm not going to say anything about the movie, but it's obviously a very tense movie with a lot of like, you know, sometimes it's kind of quiet. And the problem with these theaters is like the leather chairs are so squeaky when you move like up and down. Uh, yeah. It was just like a really tense scene in the movie. And I just hear, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, this is dumb. That's like my only, that's my only complaint about it. But yeah, I mean, you should, that's a good movie. You're going to enjoy it. Okay, cool. So um, that's going to do it for us, man. Uh, you have your article on Bleacher Report. Check it out at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. Is there anything else coming up for Silver Screen and Roll um, or anything else that we can keep an eye out from you? Uh, nothing, nothing like on the horizon, but definitely you can follow me on Twitter and then any stuff I do put out, you'll find it there. And I'm just refreshing Twitter to see if there's any like Laker cancellation, nothing yet. So, um, you know, if you hear this and it got canceled or if it didn't, sorry, but this is just when we recorded Tuesday night. So we are here every Wednesday. You can subscribe on Apple, Google podcasts, Spotify. Obviously you can catch it on silverscreenandroll.com. Follow Silver Screen and Roll on Twitter at Lakers SBN. Um, and yeah, we'll see if these Lakers play some basketball. If not, what's their next game against the Warriors in a couple in a couple days? I believe so. And even if those games did air, like they don't air they, they air like at four thirty in the morning, so yeah. I'm not sure how many people would watch them anyway. Right. So if not if they don't play in China, the Lakers will play Monday, October fourteenth against the Warriors. And then Wednesday, October sixteenth against Warriors, and then Friday, October eighteenth against the Warriors. Um, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. I was like, what if they play on a Tuesday? Do we have to wait for the game to be? Do we have to watch the game and break down the game? But we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, thankfully, week. we get opening night. That's we get it. opening night. We got We gotta come up with something special for that that episode. I wonder sure. if Anthony and Harrison will like want to like commandeer that one. Be like, hey guys, we, we kind of run the site. Well, we run the site. We're gonna take opening <laughs> night. You know, if they do, I mean, whatever. It's there. They can do whatever they want. They're the bosses. But sure. If sure. not, they can join us. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we 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 don't even have a show name, so I mean, I don't think we could really. Should we just go yeah. with? The, should we just go with like the two Alexes or something? Sure. <laughs> who cares? At this point, who cares? Point. We're like twelve in. Who cares? Yeah. All right, man. Well, we will talk to you guys next Wednesday. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. So far, though, one game in, nothing but positive on my end. What about you? Same, man. I'm just pumped. I just want to watch watch more Anthony Davis. Like That's all I want to do. There it is. Nothing but dunks. Keep track of that. All right, guys. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, Like we said, silverscreenandroll.com.